Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hi everyone, welcome back and happy holidays. Today I am going to talk about type 2 diabetes and hopefully this topic will help you understand uh, this disease and condition more clearly Um, and hopefully it will help you understand how to or, or give you some insight as to how to navigate your food choices especially with regard to carbs and sugars this holiday season. So I'm going to talk all about type 2 diabetes. We're going to get into root causes. I'm going to get into effective treatment strategies and how to reverse this condition. Yes, reverse it because type 2 diabetes is completely preventable. It's completely reversible, unlike type 1 diabetes. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, you likely know my stance on the government and um, allopathic medicine in particular and these systems um, and how they literally just they cannot cure our ailments Um, and many of you likely know this from firsthand experience or just um, having some awareness about how they operate um, they, they have no intention of helping to cure our ailments and so almost always their advice and medicines make us actually worse. Type 2 diabetes is no different and literally uh, when I was researching and looking up some of these statistics I was like you've got to be absolutely kidding me but why should I be shocked at this point in time right? But um so diabetes literally costs $1 billion per day to treat. So a lot of people are moaning and groaning over things like student loan cost, and I know how people um, can abuse that. But let's be real, a lot of the money that we dole out here um, with regard to our taxes goes to treating conditions like type 2 diabetes, which is completely preventable and reversible. One billion dollars a day. That's absolutely insane. That's totally ridiculous for a condition that is preventable, is reversible, is completely curable without allopathic intervention. Um, It afflicts more than 37 million Americans. I'm sure that number is actually low and one third of which are over 65 years old. Now, the solutions offered by the government and medical system is insulin. Let's get these people insulin and let's make it more affordable. That is our key way to treat this condition. Such horse crap, such a band-aid. Um, and then their other, their other suggestion, which is equally just as good. I mean, who thinks of this stuff? They, they, I mean, 
really nailing it here. So uh, the other solution is to follow the USDA dietary guidelines, which this is what the guidelines are. 10% 10 of the daily diet should include some form of sugar. Why not? 10% of the diet being sugar, what is it? That's, that's class. That's a good idea right there. But then on top of that, three servings of refined carbohydrates daily, okay? So um, just, you know, if you're out there and you're like, well, I mean, it sounds bad, but what is a refined carbohydrate? This is where the whole grain has been removed, okay, typically, Whole grain is removed, and when we remove the whole grain, things like Wonder Bread or cookies or pastries, you know, that crap, the whole grain is removed, and in removing the whole grain, we also take away the entire nutritional profile, the nutrients, the fiber, the minerals, the vitamins, etc. And so what's left is basically empty calories, sugar, things that make you put on weight really quickly without getting any nutrition in the meantime. So... um these are highly nutrient deficient foods, um, you know, boxed cereals, wonder, Bre- wonder bread, pastries, cookies, pasta, etc. So by following their recommendations, three servings of, of these refined carbs along with 10% sugar will actually set the stage quite nicely for type 2 diabetes. That's their solution. That's their plan. So... Um, Let's get real about this. What we know about type 2 diabetes is that if somebody has this condition, and by the way, you do not have to be diagnosed, right? You don't have to be diagnosed. Like you go in the doctor's office and they look at your HbA1c or they look at your glucose and they say, oh yeah, you have type 2 diabetes. No. Even if you go in and those things are relatively mm, in normal range or if they're slightly elevated you can still have type 2 diabetes. I want to mention this because it's really interesting. I was talking to my dad this summer, and I was talking to him about someone who is very overweight and um, and has high blood pressure and has circulation issues, etc. And I was like, Dad, that's because you know, they have type 2 diabetes. And he's like, no, they don't. The, the doctor never diagnosed them with that. And I was like, dad, you don't need to be diagnosed to have type 2 diabetes. You, you don't need the official diagnosis. Um, you can have all of the other issues that, one, if you're overweight, if you're overweight by, you know, 30, 40, 50 pounds, you can bet you have some, some sort of diabetic condition. 100%, whether anybody diagnoses you or not. But then if in addition to that, or even if you're not under overweight, because a lot of people have this misconception, in order to have type 2 diabetes, you have to be overweight. That's absolutely not true. I know people who are significantly underweight who struggle with uh, type 2 diabetes symptoms and conditions. So the weight thing does not matter. Yeah, it's a it's a dead giveaway if somebody is, you know, 30 plus pounds overweight, we can we can just see that there is insulin resistance. There is some sort of metabolic issue going on. Sure. But that are, those are not the only people who can get this condition or who struggle with it. 
So um, what we do know about type 2 diabetes is that it increases risk for Alzheimer's, and I don't know off the top of my head, but this is a crazy increased risk. It's like 50 plus percent increased risk for Alzheimer's, dementia, um, brain type of uh, issues with type 2 diabetes. That's insane. That's a huge number. So there's a huge increased risk for Alzheimer's, for cancer, for heart disease, of course. And typically, what this also means is if somebody has type 2 diabetes, is they have at least one or more of the following, which is high blood pressure, sleep apnea, joint pain, gout, poor circulation, restricted mobility, low energy, those are a few. But mind you, as I mentioned, this condition is very much reversible. It's very much preventable. And there's several things you can do to prevent and reverse this, which I'm going to talk about today. But before I get into the specifics here, I want to announce, because I know a lot of you have been waiting for this, that I just launched the pre-sale for my Foundations in Classical Homeopathy course. And you can join the course. This is a self-paced online course. It's five plus hours of content, of uh, recorded material by me on the Foundations of Classical Homeopathy. You can go to my site, heathershepherd.com, H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com. Go to the Homeopathy tab and you'll see the page for the foundations course. You can learn more about the course there. You can sign up for the pre-sale price. The official release date. So let's say you go on the site, you sign up. I'm going to get the pre-sale price. Cool. Now, the course will be out on January 5th, one five twenty three. Okay. So on that day in your inbox, you will have all of the recorded links and resources for the course. So if you're wanting to deepen your knowledge about homeopathy, if you're wanting to know how to prescribe uh, homeopathy in, in a correct and accurate way, if you're wanting to deepen your knowledge around this subject to help support your health, your kids' health, maybe your family, your client's health in non-toxic and non-suppressive ways, then I highly recommend that you... Um, sign up for this course, the Foundations in Homeopathy course. Okay, let's talk more about type 2 diabetes and um, get into this topic a little bit more. There's a lot we know about this, actually. We know that we can use diet to help support and reverse this condition, but I will be honest, a lot of people use diet and they still, still struggle, like they lose a little bit of weight or their diabetes um, symptoms improve somewhat. But then they reach, just like most conditions, they reach this this stuck point where they're no longer moving forward, and then they start to revert backwards in, in many cases. And so um, I'm going to get into why and how we can get to some of the deeper areas and deeper causes of this disease. So there's one main cause. That one main cause is genetic predisposition. Okay, and I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to get into this more during the episode. But um, the main cause of type 2 diabetes is having a genetic predisposition. A lot of people, millions of people, have a genetic predisposition for this disease. Do you 100% need that in place 
in order to get uh, to, to struggle with type 2 diabetes? No, and I'm going to talk about that as well. Um, but uh, when in life you're presented with some sort of stress, and I talk about this often, you know, whether it is a physical stress, you know, some kind of illness, whether it is a emotional stress, uh, whether it is a external stress like uh, from a suppressive therapy like a vaccine, there needs to be um, this type of stressor in one's life. And then when these stressors, no matter which one, are experienced on a repeated basis, this will move the organism that has a, a predisposition to type 2 diabetes deeper and deeper and deeper into a type 2 diabetes state, okay? So maybe at first you like you're hungry around 11 a.m. every day and you definitely need to eat then and if you don't eat then you're going to be a bear and you're going to get a headache and you're going to feel faint, you know, but then the condition deepens and deepens and, and progresses more and more um, with each stressor that is that the organism cannot handle it meets its breaking point and so then the symptoms intense then you have okay all these symptoms the headache the thirst increases oh but now you're starting to gain weight you can't put the weight take the weight off okay and then another stressor and then you start to get hormonal imbalances and so on right so with each stress that the organism cannot handle that's too much for the organism. There's a breaking point. And the one who has a genetic predisposition to type 2 diabetes, with each stressor and breaking point, they move deeper and deeper into a type 2 diabetes state. So what, what this basically means is that the more stressors the organism experiences that it, that it cannot handle, that puts the immune system over the edge, the more advanced the condition becomes. I'll give you a quick little example here. So let's say a baby is born and for some reason it's not breastfed, it's fed soy formula, stressor, there's a stressor right there. And just, you know, FYI, and I'm sure many of you know this, but this is the same thing that the soy formula, they feed this um, basically the same exact thing to feedlot animals to fatten them up really really quickly so they can get them out to slaughter and, and really um, put fat on them and not, and not healthy fat. And so, okay, same thing the kid is fed when they're chose, you know, when the, for some reason, they're not breastfed, they're given soy formula. And so what happens is, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this, but the doughy, like the doughy baby, you know, like it's one thing, like babies are supposed to be like a little flabby and they're, they're not developed yet. They have this, this is supposed to be there, right? But there's a difference between that constitution and like the dough, the doughy kid, the flabby doughy baby, right? So here's the soy formula and okay, the kid looks like the dough boy, right? And so um, we also see in these kids, you know, maybe a vaccine or several are administered and so 
then we start to see not only is the kid like this doughy constitution, but walking is delayed, maybe even dentition, um, you know, they're getting their teeth in, this can be difficult and delayed. And then the kid um, gets another round of vaccinations, another stress, right? Which then causes the child to be constipated and um, to perspire excessively in their sleep. And then, you know, a few months later, they get a sore throat and, and antibiotics. There's another stress. And a few months later, you know, they're suddenly in this condition where the kid is overweight, sluggish, flabby, or super thin and um, has a lot of blood sugar-related issues. So... As I mentioned, stressors are um, suppressive therapies, you know, the vaccines, antibiotics, the oral and topical steroids, but also things like trauma, grief, right? Are the parents fighting, causing grief, or the parents absent? These are all stressors. With each stressor, the genetic predisposition is activated on deeper and deeper levels. And what this does is it compromises the function of the organism more and more with each preceding stressor. I think you guys have that by now. I think that was, I think I've laid that out. So um, I often talk about those stressors I just mentioned in the podcast. You know, the vaccines, the antibiotics, the the, um, the trauma, the grief, the... Um, unexpressed emotions, okay, those are all suppressive. We have to add over-the-counter meds, prescription meds, right? But there's also another form, uh, there, there are several other forms of stressors, and one I want to talk about today because it's very pertinent to this topic, which is artificial light. So artificial light, especially after sunset, it tricks the body into thinking it's still daytime, And the body's hormones and metabolic systems function based on light and dark cycles, right? So I know many of you know this, but this is is foundational, this is basic, this is rudimentary into understanding the stressors that can trigger type 2 diabetes. And of course, this can, these stressors can, will trigger whatever genetic predisposition somebody has. Somebody has a genetic predisposition to anxiety, then these stressors, when they're applied to the organism, will move the the person into a deeper anxiety, panic, phobia, and then ultimately the deepest form of that is schizophrenic state, right? So when it comes to type 2 diabetes, however... This is such a metabolic, hormonal-related condition that um, we have to understand this stressor, the role of light in our metabolic and hormone health. And for those of you who haven't yet, go to my site and get a copy of the Sunlight RX because it'll literally talk about this. It lays this out, how to use the sun to help heal your hormones, to help heal your metabolism, to help prevent and reverse diseases like type 2 diabetes. This isn't medical advice, you know, all that stuff, but let's be real. It's way better than eating 10% sugar and, 
you know, several servings of refined carbs per day. So, um, so light has a huge role, um, on our health and on one's susceptibility. Is that genetic predisposition? Is that switch towards type two diabetes going to be turned on or turned off? Are you looking at artificial light much of the day? Are you addicted to your phone and your computer and all the friggin' devices? And are you looking at that light all day unprotected? If you are and you have a genetic predisposition to diabetes, you will gain weight from doing those things. And if you're like, Heather, how in the F does that make sense? That if I look at artificial light, I'm going to gain weight please go get a copy of the Sunlight RX because it goes into detail about this. And I want to try to clear this up and give you a little bit of an example of as to why this occurs right now. And this is why diet, yeah, it's awesome. It's great. Like do the Sunlight Diet. Sorry, my dog's hacking in the background. She's nuts. Um, so the uh, Thanks, Alice. I lost my train of thought. But, okay, so um, let me give you an example here. Because this correlation between light and hormones, right, this is where there's a stuck point. People are starting to get it now. The mitochondriacs, the mitochondria people, the biohackers, the mitohackers are getting this connection between light and health. But... This message needs to get out more and more and more because, as I was saying, um, we think about diet and its role in health, its role in our weight, its role in our metabolic health, our metabolism, type 2 diabetes. We've basically narrowed our focus. If you're going to do heal type 2 diabetes naturally, what do we look at? We look at diet and we look at exercise, which awesome, great, perfect. But that's not enough. It's not going to help you get out of that state. It's not strong enough to move you out of the genetic predisposition state. So um, we have to understand that artificial light is a stressor and it's a catalyst that anyone who has a genetic predisposition to diabetes and you're inundated by artificial light on a regular basis especially after sunset bad news it's not it's a huge stressor for this condition so i'm going to give you an example here so cortisol is linked to blue light okay and when blue light hits the retina right in your eye it signals to the anterior pituitary gland okay boom you see blue light okay let's start releasing cortisol so whenever blue light in that color spectrum enters the retina, enters the eye, it sends the signal to the endocrine system in your brain, boom, pump out cortisol. And there are very important physiological reasons for this. So from sunrise, and this is what I lay out in the Sunlight Rx ebook, from sunrise to early afternoon late afternoon or mid-afternoon blue light steadily increases in the sky so the color temperature of blue increases gradually from sunrise to early mid-afternoon 
And in return, the body, what happens is it gradually pumps out more and more cortisol in step with the increase of blue light in the sky. The, the human body is freaking ingenious because there. this is a very much a protective mechanism for the human body and it's a, it's a, this is huge in terms of our hormone health and our metabolic health because as blue light increases in the sky, gets brighter and brighter and brighter, the body knows that, hey, look at this blue light, look at this bright light. UVB light is coming. The body is hardwired. It knows that when blue light gets brighter and brighter and brighter in the sky, UVB light is coming. This is its signal. You are biologically hardwired for millions of years to know what this means. Blue light's getting brighter. Oh my gosh, UVB light's coming. Many people still think that UVB light, this is kind of an aside, right? Many people still think that UVB light, it's like the light that everybody's afraid of and puts tons of sunscreen on and like they try to prevent, they put the sunglasses on to try to prevent it. By the way, if you put sunglasses on when you're outside, you will automatically increase your risk for type 2 diabetes, especially if you have a genetic predisposition. Freaking get rid of the sunglasses, it's a hoax. It destroys your hormone health. It sets the stage for type 2 diabetes. End rant. So many people still think that UVB light is also present all the time in the sky. It's not. It's not present at sunrise. It's not present at sunset. And um, for people living outside of the tropics, UVB light is available only for 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 about five or six months out of the year during that time. It's not available all year round. Maybe if you live at a high elevation, sure, you might get a little bit extra. But your UVB light is not present all the time. It varies depending on the time of day, depending, depending on the season, depending on your location, etc. When blue light builds in the sky, the body gradually increases cortisol release. That's why you should, this is like, this is like nature's cup of coffee. It's why you should gradually start to have more and more and more energy as you get into the afternoon. When do most people today crash? In the afternoon. Why? Because they're looking at artificial light and they're not outside in sunlight. Okay. So when blue light builds in the sky, the body gradually increases cortisol release. And the more cortisol that's in your bloodstream when UVB enters the sky, the less likely you are to suffer from sunburn. Ingenious. The body's freeing smart, right? But if you're not outside gradually building your cortisol in the bloodstream and you have your lunch break at noon and you go outside and you go in and you look like a lobster, this, these are the consequences. It's literally this gradual increase of cortisol in the bloodstream. It's literally an antidote to UVB damage. 
It's like, wait, the body, there, there are so many benefits of UVB light, including metabolic health, including blood sugar regulation, including glucose metabolism, and improving um, uh, glucose metabolism, carbohydrate metabolism, etc. The body has to offset the damaging effects of UVB light, which is outlined on how you do that in the Sunlight RX. So we have to offset that damage, which the body ingeniously knows. If you're outside in sunlight, gradually building your, your cortisol stores and getting red light during sunrise, you show up at noon and you're out there and instead of burning... You make melanin, you tan, right? And the tan is nature's way of preventing UVB damage. So if you want to take a Band-Aid route and increase your risk of metabolic diseases and cancer and diabetes, put on sunscreen and wear sunglasses. And that's a core way listen anything they tell you to do just do the opposite it's absolutely they're they're trying to get you sick and stay in their system i'm trying to get you well and get them out of their system so the more you're in morning light the less apt you are to struggle with sunburn and um and UVB light exposure, the, the more you're going to benefit from that. Because I mentioned some of those benefits, which is a decrease in insulin resistance. You're going to improve your glucose metabolism. And then any excess glucose that's in your liver, maybe you struggle with type 2 diabetes right now or a metabolic condition or fatty liver disease, you get in sunlight and when that UVB light shows up, if you've prepped your skin and eyes and body accordingly and appropriately, what happens when that UVB light shows up, boom, all that excess glucose hanging out, making your liver fatty, it's going to be depleted from your liver. So this is why, you know, before artificial light and iPhones and all this crap we have today, people who lived in the tropics had exponentially far less insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, cancer, MS, all of those diseases we see related to the sun and people who get more sun exposure have less of these issues. They had less of these issues before artificial light, before iPhones, before LED lights. Now forget it. Everybody lives indoors no matter where they live. So everybody's struggling with, with similar diseases. But because of the 365, you know, exposure to UVB light in the tropics, when you're outdoors in this light, um, it's, it's metabolically protective. So for type 2 diabetes, predisposition has to be in place. And then um, you get exposed to stressors. Vaccines, antibiotics, grief, artificial blue light, artificial light, right? This, these stressors pull the trigger to the predisposition. Now, artificial light, um, predominantly blue and um, when, 
what I want to say about this is when you're on your device, let's say you're in front of your computer, you're on your iPhone, you're on whatever device you have, you're in front of a TV, this color blue, it's not this gradual building of blue like the sun does. No. This is like you get full-on blasted with summer solstice, noon, blue light, whenever you look at these screens or devices. So there's no gradual cortisol release. Cortisol and melatonin balance in the body will determine your metabolic and hormone health. And if those two hormones are out of sync, these are your circadian regulating hormones, your metabolic hormones, your key metabolic hormones, your key um, circadian regulating hormones, if these are out of balance, you're going to struggle with metabolic issues like type 2 diabetes. So what happens is, is when you're in front of these devices, these screens, the artificial light inside under LEDs, um, going to a grocery store, and um, if I, I try not to go into a grocery store at night, but if I have to, I will wear my red-blue blockers. For those of you who don't have red-blue blockers yet, please go to MidwestRedLightTherapy.com and get the Night Prowlers red lenses to wear after sunset. If I have to be in front of a screen, if I have to go into some modern, you know, grocery store or something at night I put these on I wear these glasses and you can on that site on midwestredlighttherapy.com you can use my discount code sunlightrx to save a few bucks on your purchase but I use the red lens after sunset for this very reason to support my melatonin my metabolic health my hormone health I have a major predisposition to type 2 diabetes literally everybody on both sides of my family which I'll talk about here in a minute they struggle with this condition. And when I first started my online business years and years ago, after year like three, I was like, why am I getting fat? Why am I gaining weight? What's going on? I'm doing nothing different. I had no idea about light then. I had no idea about red light, blue light, green light, go. You know, I had no idea about this stuff. Uh, and I was gaining weight and I was on the computer for hours a day trying to get my online business up. And then when I started to learn about light, I was like, holy shit. And then the only thing I did was change my light environment. And I started to lose weight. And I was like, this is this is some real stuff right here. This is this is real. This is this is real. And if you have a genetic predisposition to diabetes, um and you're going to gain weight easier under artificial light than people who have less of a genetic predisposition. Where am I going with this? Okay, so when you're in front of these screens and the TV and the iPhones and all that, LED lights, right? And your body's just trying to flood cortisol. It's like your cortisol um, levels get totally out of whack totally flatlined, they get wonky, they're released at the wrong times of day, they're high at the wrong times of day, they're low at the wrong times of day. But also this message that you're giving your body is that the UVB light is coming. Where is it? It never shows up. This 
is not okay. This is not a good sign for the body. This is a stressor for the body. Where's the UVB? You just flooded all this cortisol and now it's to these levels is over time, your cortisol will get completely flatlined. And the the levels will be imbalanced, but also now you've told your brain and your body and your hormones and your metabolism that UVB is coming, but you're indoors on front of your computer and UVB light never comes. So this creates metabolic issues right there just by giving that mixed signal to your body. So... um. And just if you're if you're new to this, and this is maybe stating the obvious, but artificial light only has you have the majority of it is blue light, and a little bit of it is green light. The sun is always blended. There's never one only or one and a little bit of another color. Okay, and this blending helps to balance the uh, other spectrums and frequencies so no light frequency is out of balance one isn't too low one isn't too high they're perfectly balanced in nature okay nothing in nature or the human body even becomes imbalanced unless humans get involved Okay, so, you know, here comes man with artificial light and iPhones and chemtrails and weather manipulation. And then this is how nature and humans become sick and imbalanced. Keep all of that, keep us out of the picture and we would be much, much healthier. So, um, let's see. I mentioned this, and I'll just mention it just in case you need a a reminder, but when it is dark outside, this is not the time of day to be looking at artificial light, to be looking on your iPhone. Like, okay, if you need to be on your phone, which you probably don't, but if you do, or you need to be in front of a screen, or hey, maybe you're a human being and you like to watch something at night sometimes, Learn to turn your screens red. It's so easy. Any device can be turned red. The screen can be turned red. The um the dark mode that's built into your computers and, and phones, no, they're not good enough. They're not anywhere near protective enough. Learn to turn your iPhone screen red. Go on YouTube and learn how to do it. It's so easy. Um, learn, put Iris on your computer. I think it's, it's literally, it's either free or $14, which either one is practically free. So put Iris on your computer and put it in sleep mode. Why is this an issue? Because your hormones and your metabolism, which rule your blood sugar levels and your insulin release patterns, these are ruled by night and day. And so in a very basic foundational level get outside in sunscreen more learn uh, sunscreen for the love of god get outside in sunlight more forget sunscreen forget sunglasses and protect your eyes especially after sunset so um 
these are these are basic because it's going to help support healthy cortisol release patterns, healthy melatonin release patterns. Now, let's look at what genetic predisposition really means. And particularly, I'm going to bring in homeopathy here. So for one, and maybe the most obvious, there has to be a family history. If there's no family history of type 2 diabetes or weight issues, as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, this doesn't this doesn't necessarily mean that you can't or you won't get diabetes. It just means that it's likely to develop at a slower rate. Like if you set the stage for type 2 diabetes in every other way, you look at artificial light, you eat crap, you eat carbohydrates and simple sugars in winter and you're never outside, yeah, you're going to set the stage for diabetes. But if there's no strong or no genetic predisposition in place, then the onset will go at a slower rate. It's still possible, but it will almost always happen at a much slower rate. So you can create this situation, even if there's not a genetic predisposition, simply by eating poorly or looking at blue light, avoiding sunlight, using artificial light, you know, etc. Um... And I also want to mention, even if there's not a genetic predisposition, antibiotics also increase the risk and onset because it changes the gut microbiome and it decreases the, the amount of uh, gut bacteria um, that's responsible for immune function, that's um, responsible for simple sugar digestion, hormone production, and blood sugar regulation. Antibiotics are really damaging. And they should not be called on unless it's a truly emergency situation. So genetic predisposition, there has to be a family history. And in more advanced um, cases, let's say somebody in your family had an amputation due to type 2 diabetes, you have a pretty strong genetic predisposition. Or let's say like in my family, a lot of people are severely overweight this significantly increases your genetic predisposition, meaning the quicker the onset can happen if you um, are, are exposed to the stressors. And there's less stressors needed to, to kind of set one off into this chronic advanced type 2 diabetic state when the family history is strong, okay? And as I mentioned, type 2 diabetes, overweight struggles, obesity, these run in my family. And um, both my mom and dad's side of the family struggle with these issues, which makes my susceptibility even greater. So um, I need, for me, less stressors to activate the disease. And that is has been very obvious over um, the course of my life. I can gain weight easily if I look at blue light, if I don't move my body, um, I can react really strongly to carbohydrates, you know, and even though I'm not overweight, you know, still, um, I've got blood sugar type of symptoms, like blood sugar imbalance symptoms, pretty easily. I can get these pretty easily. Um, and especially in the past before I started homeopathy and, and homeopathy treatment for this. So, you know, maybe some of you are like, well, what are some of those symptoms? What do I have to look for if there's, 
maybe some blood sugar issues going on before the weight gain or before the more serious uh, symptoms and developments happen. So um, some are, you can have this, and I have this symptom, like this tingling in my mouth if I went too long from eating or if I ate too much, too many carbs, like for my body, I would get this tingling sensation in my mouth. That is a sign of blood sugar imbalance. Um, easy tendency to gain weight, you know, that's another one. Sensitivity to carbohydrates and fruit. Do you get headaches? Do you get rapid heartbeat? For me, and I know this symptom in, in many of my clients who struggle with blood sugar issues, I've, I've heard this, if I eat too, um, too many carbs or if I eat carbs at the wrong time of day, then I would get rapid heart rate. Like my heart would just start beating rapidly faster than it should these are symptoms of blood sugar issues and as i mentioned personally i've pretty much improved these symptoms with sunlight and homeopathy the combination for any chronic condition is amazing for type 2 diabetes it fits right into there equally amazing diet of course um Honestly, I can't even remember the last time I ate something processed or refined. So um, I, tr I keep those foods out of my diet just in general. I literally, I have no idea the last time I ate something like that. And, um, but I don't count carbohydrates. I don't measure carbs or macros. You know, I don't do that. A lot of people do. That's a short-term approach that can never fully rectify a genetic predisposition. Honestly, when I was first um, noticing that I was gaining weight, I was like, huh, maybe I should, um, this was just way back and when like the low carb diets, high fat diets were becoming popular. And I was like, oh, I'll try that, you know, I'll try that diet. And I gained weight on a keto type of diet. And I can't tell you how many women have told me this same story and this same same thing. Um, and maybe there's men out there who, who also have this. It's because it doesn't get to the root of the issue. And if there's a metabolic balance, imbalance, excuse me, or hormonal imbalance or type 2 diabetes, that is not going to rectify the issue. It may be, it may be for some, a short-term band-aid, a short-term approach, but this can never, diet can never fully rectify a genetic predisposition, which is why people who have type 2 diabetes and they do the diet and the, and the exercise, but they're like, huh, I, I'm at this stuck point. I can't lose any more weight. And then they start to actually put it back on. So we have to get to the genetic predisposition is why I love and use homeopathy because of its innate, profound, effective ability to do this. So um, let's see. We've got down sunlight, the importance of sunlight because it's going to help to signal, uh, help your body um produce appropriate correct healthy metabolic hormone signals that keep um your cortisol levels balanced your melatonin levels balanced it's going to help prevent type 2 diabetes we've gone over the stressors artificial light and um all of the antibiotics all the suppressive therapies the vaccinations um etc 
So, pre genetic predisposition, it's it's huge here, and it's why I love homeopathy because it has this capability, as I mentioned, um, to begin to rectify and remove genetic predisposition. We want to prevent these things from being passed on to future generations. If you want to conceive, please, before doing so, really, really take a hard look at what you've been through with your health, what your family has been through with their health, because all of that will get passed on to your little one. And then they'll have to deal with that times 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 because, you know, your family and you haven't appropriately dealt with it. And we've all been there. There's, there's things that I work on every single day with my health. There's the genetic predisposition is very, very strong. It's a very strong factor. It's not something that can be undone with a SNPs test or a supplement or avoiding eggs that show up on a food sensitivity test. It's not. Um, this is where homeopathy comes in. And I want to bring in just some factors that are very strong in triggering type 2 diabetes. Um, what keeps feeding the genetic predisposition? Like what triggers a genetic predisposition? What even sets the stage for a genetic predisposition in type 2 diabetes? This, this is what I'm talking about, root causes, okay? Because why, why does my family struggle with their weight so much? Why are my family pretty much all diabetics or struggle with blood sugar issues? Like what triggered that in the first place? This is what we need to get to to help rectify genetic predisposition. So there are certain things, certain factors that can trigger that we've seen over time by studying disease, by studying disease patterns in um, people through first centuries that correlate to having this genetic predisposition to type 2 diabetes. Alcoholism is one. Why not? It destroys the liver. It destroys the hormones. It destroys insulin. Alcoholism is huge. A family history of alcoholism. And if you haven't listened to my podcast, I recently released on alcoholism and how it sets the stage for certain diseases and behavioral patterns in you know, preceding generations, please do so. It could be really informative and people who struggle with alcoholism or they have a family who has struggled with that, they said, Heather, that podcast gave me some very deep insight that I had no idea about, but it makes total sense and it was super helpful. So please check that episode out if you haven't already. So for type 2 diabetes, we have this family history, this this line of alcoholism of rheumatism, of STDs, and of cancer. These are kind of the bulk conditions that tend to set the stage for a genetic predisposition to type 2 diabetes. 
so you can see if um if your great grandfather had chlamydia and suppressed it with an antibiotic and then you know since that time the next generation and and had blood sugar issues and then each preceding generation the blood sugar issues and weight issues got worse and worse and worse now maybe you don't know if great grandpa had an std you know but you could maybe gather from his habits um his sexual desires his personality and then you can kind of look at the the gene pool to see what diseases manifest and over and over and over again and worsen and worsen and worsen with each preceding generation you can get an idea even if you don't have the cold hard facts about hey great grandpa had chlamydia who you may you might not know that right but these issues and rheumatism is is a little bit of a um rheumatism is usually fueled by alcoholism or stds as well so it's it's not so much a um a catalyst as it is a result from those other um issues as well so if we see any of these diseases in the in the genetic line in the gene pool we know there's an increased risk for type 2 diabetes and there's also um a way that type 2 diabetes gets triggered okay it's a way that is lesser known but relatively common that i haven't mentioned yet and that is um when somebody experiences a grief and then they shut down emotionally the emotions get way too much for them to handle after after a big grief there are some people like this they experience a big grief and then emotionally they kind of go numb it's like whoa lights are off can't go there they literally cannot go there sometimes we see a type 2 diabetes diagnosis after a grief like this which requires a totally different treatment in homeopathy see we have to understand what caused this was it a grief was it a genetic predisposition was it that there wasn't a strong genetic predisposition but lifestyle factors set the stage for this slow onset and developing of type 2 diabetes so we really really have to understand a lot about a person before we can just give a general recommendation as to you know take insulin shots get these people more insulin give them 10% sugar give them refined carbs you know it's like that's nonsense but while it's less toxic to tell somebody to focus on diet and exercise that's great but we want to give somebody a better chance than that we want to help improve their condition much more so than just diet and exercise can do because it can't access it cannot touch the genetic predisposition it can't and this is why i use that this is where homeopathy comes in because it's a powerhouse that begins to clear the effects of um 
yes, the synthetic or suppressive therapies, it clears the layers, but it is able to touch upon these genetic predisposition layers. So then you begin to remove those, and not only you feel better, but then if you decide to have children, they aren't burdened with this crap. Okay? And this is also where I individuate the treatment. Yeah, you can do the sunlight diet and please do because it's going to help give you a clear structure as to how to organize your diet and light environment throughout the year, throughout the seasons to support your metabolic health, to support your hormone health, to support your overall health. And then we take it one step further with the homeopathy and this is where you individuate the treatment because you can really get to the root causes you can get to the genetic predisposition with this medicine did your element did your diabetes start after a grief is there family history of cancer of type 2 diabetes of stds okay and if if yes this is where then this is where we start this gives us a root cause starting place. So, um, I hope that this episode helped to bring more insight around this topic of type 2 diabetes, of blood sugar issues, of root causes, of the role of stressors, of the role of genetic predisposition, and of the healing role that food that light, that sunlight, and that homeopathy can bring to this very much preventable, very much reversible condition. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. To learn more about my approach to health, to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips, you can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore RX and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.